We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Coming at you Monday morning, May 9th. We are in off-season mode here, I guess, in Timberwolves world. Kind of looking back at the season that was, looking forward to the season that the off-season that's coming. Uh, today, to do that, I have Craig Kilborn joining me. Y'all know Craig from the Daily Show, Sports Center, the Late Late Show. Craig, obviously, you're also a Minnesota native Timberwolves fan. How are you doing today? Dane, I'm excited uh, to do the show and talk hoop. I'm a fan of yours, and I appreciate your hard work. I've texted you that before. You're hardcore, man. And I, <laughs> and I, you go deep. I used to go deep in the NBA when I was growing up in Hastings. I, I, uh, my father wanted us to play baseball. My brother and I, he was, my dad was a Willie Mays fan, but we took to hoops and I used to memorize the pro basketball handbook. I used to know every player in the NBA and their colleges. But I'm not as into the NBA quite as you are. I'm into the Timberwolves. But I'm hoping you can answer some of my questions today. I think I can. What, what year would have this been when you had the, the handbook memorized? Um, before I answer that, I have this thing on my screen. If I have this thing on my screen, does it go away? This meeting is being recorded. Do I just click on it or what happened? You're good. Okay, because I can't see myself, which completely throws me off. But that's okay. <laughs> um, uh, so I, I started playing basketball in second grade. My brother was three years ahead. Fifth grade is when organized ball started. And I was always very coordinated. I could always dribble the ball. And I had my growth spurt between fifth and sixth grade. I was five three in fifth grade, and then I was five nine in sixth grade. And by the time I was in ninth grade, I was six four, and I guess I'm officially six five. But I would, when I was in elementary school, we had to read uh, Encyclopedia Brown and then Huck Finn and all that stuff. And I would read every pro basketball book I could. It was uh, Zeke from Cabin Creek, the Jerry West story, the Houdini, Houdini of the Hardwood, the Bob Cousy story, and then Foul, the Connie Hawkins story. So I, I, I want to ask you, I, I was obsessed with the NBA, still am, not, not quite to the extent when I was a kid, but 
are you just all Timberwolves all the time, which I think is a wonderful way to live. And I, and I say that because someone told me Bill Cower, when he coached the Steelers, he said, besides his family, all he said, all I care about is football and the seventies music I hear driving to practice. <laughs> so are you uh, addicted? Are you just, all you care about is the wolves, right? Honestly, man, I, I grew up much more just like an NBA fan. Like even when I was a kid, um, I think probably a lot of that started with like, you know, playing like basketball video games and stuff. And just, I was just, that was my way of learning the entire league. Right. And then, you know, all the players and the games are, you know, the, the games that are nationally televised and, you, you know, all those guys. So I was, I was much more into like the NBA at large. I've always kind of been that way with all sports than hyper-focused though. I have, you know, grown up in Minnesota. I was a kid during the, the KG, you know, run and those days. So there was obviously the affinity there, but I think I really fell in love with the NBA, like broadly much deeper once the Wolves got really bad. And and then it was, <laughs> you know, you just kind of wanted to I still followed the Wolves closely. And those are, you know, those are your local broadcasts and that. But it was, you know, you wanted a little bit better of basketball. Right. Or I did. And and so it was kind of more so both. I was. But, yeah, I was kind of always that way with all sports. I'd never like maybe wanted too much. And so one team, one team wasn't enough. But now, yes, that I cover this team professionally, but I still try and like I still try and mix in a lot of just as much general NBA stuff as as I can, because I think sometimes when you're really focused, if it's just the Timberwolves, right, you can learn a lot about the Timberwolves or how they can improve by watching what some of these other teams are doing, not just on the court, but how they're like strategies for building the roster and all those sort of things. So I think in today's day and age, like being you're a stronger team specific fan if you have like the awareness of of the other 29 teams as well because it all right it all kind of feeds into each other yeah i i I, as you know i'm a huge wolves fan for they came into the league in 89 and my dad recorded the first game and but everything changed and i think that was in 95 it was in 94 95 kg was the fifth pick but everything changed with kg and i've told this brief story before Years ago, maybe it was, you know, after KG, after the trade, maybe it was around 2008 or 2009. I live in LA and it's Saturday night and my buddy wants to go out, but he wants to start early at five, which I prefer to start early because I get to bed early. And I said, I, I, at five, it's a seven o'clock Wolves game in Minnesota. And he goes, no one in LA cares about this game, this Charlotte, <laughs> Minnesota game, but you. And I, and it was the Randy Foy, Al Jefferson years. And I just had, I don't know what it is, man, but it's fun having a team. And yeah. I'm so proud to be from Minnesota. So I watch every game. And, uh, but Craig, it's like the connection to the group. You like know that you're the crazy person there watching Randy Foy and Al Jefferson more likely than not lose. But you know that there's all these other people who are, who have their friend who are telling them, why the hell are you watching the Charlotte Hornets Wolves game on a Tuesday? But that that's that's what I think was the coolest part for me of this year, because I think we all knew that there was these little pockets of Wolves fans. Yeah. And now they actually had something to say, like, yes, I am watching the Wolves play the Charlotte Hornets, and it's Anthony Edwards versus LaMelo Ball today, and I'm right. so excited to see that and how that plays out. And, I, yeah, I just... 
I think the most unique part of the Timberwolves fan base is that sort of bizarre tribalism of of the group that I think is really cool. I I, I assume I know we look the same age, but I think I'm older than you. But um, <laughs> um, so we didn't have a pro basketball team growing up. And, you know, the Vikings, I don't know, I'm a huge Vikings fan, but the Vikings were kind of the main thing. And they say it's a hockey state, but it's the Vikings. But we were obsessed, the basketball guys, with the Golden Gophers. And we, in the 70s, mm. they had really good teams. And, you know, there was a guy named Ray Williams. He was Gus Williams' younger brother. He played at the University of Minnesota. He played in the NBA. And he was one of my favorite players. And obviously, you had Michael Thompson. I wore 43. My brother wore 43. I wore it in college because of Michael Thompson at the University of Minnesota. You had McHale. So that was our pro basketball team were the Golden Gophers. And now, and so what I'm saying is there, there have always been basketball fans in Minnesota, always. 100%. And we, again, I think we saw them out. You, you were here for, was it game three and four? Three, yeah, three and four. And I thought that was just awesome particularly that game four which was the nine o'clock start you probably had a, a later bedtime oh that evening but that place was that place was uh, Jay, it was just so cool man it was just so cool to be and the amount of games i've sat in there where it's not that at all was you just kind of have that memory of the kind of quiet hush at seven o'clock normally to just sort of a drunken roar at 9 p.m for game four i thought that was awesome yeah that it, it is weird because i i do make I do seriously for years go to bed at 9 p.m. Fall asleep at 9 p.m. I, I get into bed and watch something. I'll watch Bosch or Bosch Legacy, which just dropped last week on Amazon. But I'll watch different movies or pro basketball. But I actually sleep at 9 p.m., which throws people off. But um, that was a late start. It was hot in there. I was wearing a cashmere zip-up sweater, and I, my forehead was sweating. And, uh, and I, got, I got out of there about after midnight, maybe 12, 15. What a, I mean, it was magical. I was just, I'm so happy for Timberwolves fans. You know, I'm just, because I do think, I do think I'm able to distance myself uh, from the team living far away where, you know, I, I, I want to be honest, Dane, over the years, I watch the games, but I do sometimes turn them off when it's, when they're down 20 and then I'll follow on the computer. I'll okay. come back in the fourth, but I, 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 some, I've been through so many losses. And when you say, you know, Randy Foynell, Jefferson, they probably lost that game. The weird thing was they were in the game in the fourth quarter. They were they were True. close. They lost it. But I always loved it when they were in the game on the road. My favorite thing in the Wolves winning on the road is like my favorite thing in the world. But uh, that was, yeah, games three and four, obviously three was a debacle. But uh, I uh, just the whole playoff experience, I wasn't at the Clipper game. Were you at the Clipper game? That yeah, had to be outrageous. The, the, the Clipper, yeah, the Clipper game, it was – that was very similar to game four. And I mean, just, right. I don't know. Can you say there was more, I get more at stake in that game too, in a way. And you could kind of, you could kind of feel the desperation of that. And yeah, I mean, as much as everybody got, or like the wolves got clowned for the way they celebrated there, like for the 20,000 people <laughs> who were the 20,000 people who were in that stadium, like that night for that. Um, I mean, it's like, I mean, very similar to, was it like game 163 when the, the twins it was like a one game playoff to make it? And I remember like the, in my mind, I have like a memory of the players like running around the stadium, high five in the fans like that. It was that. And you know what? Whatever anybody in 
Atlanta or whatever wants to say about right. it for the people for the people who were there like I, I don't know it, in all seriousness think, man yeah. it created a, I think it created like a new sort of generation of Wolves fans yeah I thought as far as the over celebration which I obviously disagree with and could care less what the guy you know Barkley they're 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 trying to poke fun and all this stuff and trying to be funny I thought it was mostly Pat Bev because it was personal with the Clippers I thought mm-hmm. he was the guy that was celebrating the most uh, and then, you know, Ant stood up and I could care less. That's great. I mean, it was, I, you know what, I, I, I did this. I, I said, without thinking, after the game, I posted, uh, on, I made a comment somewhere on, on Instagram that it was, that's one of the greatest games in Terminal's history mm-hmm. without, without analyzing it. And then I saw Jim Suhan wrote an article saying it, it was the number one game because he and he had second, he had the uh, the KG game seven uh, playoff game against the Kings. Now I did want to ask you, and I you might agree with me, and you don't have to. But this past season was the most magical since two thousand and four, which means I'm skipping the Jimmy Butler playoff season, yeah. which I found very frustrating, even though we were playing well but it bought and i and i like i liked jimmy at the time i was ecstatic when we got him it's so hard to get talent up in minnesota but there were problems with him in the in the fourth i wanted cat to get the ball and jimmy would monopolize the ball dribble down the shot clock and and it wasn't cohesive and we found out why mm-hmm. you know he wanted to leave but i you know that 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 game against denver to get in was huge yeah, but I I did think the Clipper game was the one of you know top two greatest along with KG's game seven. Yeah, no, I I would I would rank those both below. I think game eighty or yeah game eighty two that had a similar at Target yes. Center vibe and energy to it. But then I think that once we got to that series, like you kind of said, I mean part Jimmy monopolizing the offense and part you know Houston was doubling cat and cat didn't score very much in those first games and it just it kind of felt like a grinding of the gears to even sort of get through that series in a way and and maybe we all felt something was coming um without necessarily knowing exactly what it was but I mean that was my first year covering the team and obviously this is my most recent and you you could I mean night and day night and day difference of not just not just those big games, but the the experience of, of every day. It was even for me. I mean, just more a more joyful experience, and um, and that that's that's about the players, that's about the coach, and that's about the, yeah. the fan base. It just, I, I think Tibbs as a personalities of coaches to fans, I think really matters, and like the way in which they connect. And I think Tibbs's personality actually kind of fit Chicago in 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 a way and and it didn't in minnesota but with chris finch i think that was one of the more pre- pleasant surprises of the year not just that he's a great coach but his personality seems to fit minnesota and i think you see people latching onto him in ways similar that they latch on to an anthony edwards yeah i uh you know i the thing with the wolves is it's always been tough to get talent up there so when you had kg it was tough for free mm-hmm. agents to come uh, same with with cat it's it's hard to get people up there mm-hmm. and then when they got tibbs as a coach i was like wow right this is 
this makes us legit. And of course I wanted him gone because he was a sourpuss and he bothered me. He had no personality. I, and I liked him. I liked him with uh, the bulls a lot. Right. And he said something, it would always drive me up the wall. He would he'd make, he would say simple comments. We'd lose a game. Dane, we would lose a game in the fourth when the offense shut down. And he would just say, defense, defense, defense. And obviously, defense wins championship. We have to play defense. But there are times when the other team is red hot and you better keep up or you're out of the game. So the offense cannot shut down. You have mm. to play defense. But good, good offense beats good defense. And there are times when the other team is going to score and you better keep up. So it would drive me up the wall when he would never talk about the offense. He would just say defense. We got to play better defense. That's being he's being simplistic. So that anyways, I love I love Finchy like everybody. I do have questions for you. I, I have so many thoughts. I hope I'm organized, sir. <laughs> you are, uh, of course. Fire away. Can I hit you? Fire away. So we love Finchy. We love his offense. Uh and, and there is a concern, you know, he has this motion offense. He's supposed to be an offensive savant. And then my concern is, well, how is, how is this going to work in the, in the playoffs? Because it's, it's a, dra you know, knockdown, drag out, slow down. You may have to make adjustments. And I was concerned about our offense in the playoffs. But I guess the most obvious question, and I, and I don't want to put pressure on you. I'm treating you like an expert because you watch film and you do stuff that I don't do anymore. Uh, I used to watch film in fifth grade. No, I, uh, but um why don't they uh, you, we know that cat has an automatic jump hook and we we do know there what is what we know why don't they post him up low block and he gets double team why is it so evil that he gets double team there as opposed to double team at the top of the key why don't they even try to post cat up in the low block sir i think the biggest factor of it is he struggles to get that deep position Right. I mean, oh. we, we started we started seeing some of that in this Philly series with Embiid. And and I mean, and part of it is is on cat. You know, you got to do your work early, as they say, like get to the block seal, all those sort of things. But when when teams try to do that against Joel Embiid, it's it's very different because. Because he's weighs, I don't know, 60 pounds, more, 50 pounds more than cat yeah. does. So yeah. to have that position, I think that's. If the Wolves do want to go to Cat in the post more often, it's going to be about him getting deeper position and, and holding it there. Because, yeah, like you said, then if he's there, he can rip through, get to the jump hook like right away. But if that catch happens at 16 feet and then the double comes, right. like right now, what do you, you can basically only pass it or try and shoot over a double team at 16 feet? I mean, Cat's a great shooter, but but, you know, that's that's a bit of a problem. And I think part of what Cat always wrestled with there is he is such a great shooter that he goes. Well, I don't care if you give it to me at six foot, six feet or 16 feet, like I can make this shot. And, yeah. and I think he's going to have to fight with that a little bit, too. And part of it, Craig, is like the other four guys need to make it so you can't double cat and you can't punish right. him. Like right. Denver, right? When when they double Jokic, Denver's like, yes, please. You know, we'll, we'll pick this apart. With, with, with passing in that sort of way. And right. And so Cat actually has some skills that Embiid and Jokic don't have. So if he can <laughs> if he can get that position there and he can become a better passer, like there is a way where he can offensively profile as a similar caliber center in that sort of way. But I, I share I share your frustration, particularly in that one game where they remember when the, the Grizzlies went super small, they had Brandon Clark at center who's like 6'8", Dylan Brooks was guarding Cat 6'4", 
And it that was that was tough in in game three because you know you just saw Cat kind of going to the they'd kind of waved the white flag on the idea of even posting him up. And they try right. to get him at the at the elbow, the nail, those sort of things. But but yeah, eventually they're gonna have to go back to that because that's been a profit, like you said, that's been a profitable thing for that was a, he was a dominant post up center uh, when he was playing for Tibbs, you know? So so you gotta yeah. be able to go back to that. You gotta have you gotta have a lot of shooters around him, cutters that can be able to to punish those double teams. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't write down, I could have I should have written down my uh, I'm just going to say them out loud. Hopefully we'll get to all of them. I do want to talk, since we're on Cat, I want to tell you my thoughts on Cat, his improvements, and see what you think. I obviously, I had messaged you about D'Lo, and I wanted to talk about D'Lo. You mentioned Clark. The other frustration thing I have, um, and and I know that I've met the two owners and I have access to talk to them. I won't abuse that privilege. But I, I had mentioned to one of them when we were grabbing a, a bite with a group of people, I, I, I don't like all the mistakes in the draft. So we can talk about that later. I know all teams do, but, you know, Chris mm-hmm. Dunn over Jamal Murray. I mean, there are too many to mention. But going back to Cat, so my favorite stat, for whatever reason, in, in the NBA is field goal percentage. I'm fascinated. I love that Sam Cassell shot over 47%. I, I just like field goal percentage. I, I don't know why. So Cat shoots 54 this first three years, and I am stunned, and I love it, and we're blessed to have him. Now, one of the issues, though, he is such a good shooter. I, I sometimes think he, he drives too much. He's so aggressive. And when you drive, you can get hurt. You can get an offensive foul. You can obviously score and get fouled, mm-hmm. draw fouls on other people. But he's automatic from 15. He's automatic everywhere except he doesn't do what Jokic can do where he doesn't really back a guy down and shoot a jumper. He, he mm-hmm. plays around with his one-footed Dirk thing, but he doesn't have that back down turnaround much. He might want to work on that because he seems to have every other shot in the book. I'm a huge Cat fan. I do believe I knew you could take him out of a game. I saw it against the Houston series. We saw it against yeah. the Clippers. It's just, you know, you know, it's just easier to take seven footers out because they can't right. yo-yo and dance out on the perimeter and get around it and get the ball back. But mm. I love Cat. I am concerned. I don't know. Psychologically, I don't know if he's ever going to get over the foul thing. I don't know if he because that's the biggest complaint. I talk to people and yeah. I just say, I don't know. He's weird. He's a he's a whiner like Luca. And I don't know if he's going to. I was sitting there. Right at courtside under the basket when he went for an offensive rebound with his left hand and pulled the guy at a little bit down at his waist mm-hmm. and he and he got called for his fifth foul and he went what did you and I think he thought the ref couldn't see the little I, I think uh-huh. he does little grabs and he and he thinks no one saw that no we all saw it cat you know very frustrating yeah. it was on John Morant I I remember that yeah it Craig we're 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 approaching something with Carl where you can't not be sort of scared that it's going to be like DeMarcus Cousins and it's a permanent thing, you know? Yeah. And, and I don't think we're, like I said, I think we're approaching that. I don't know if we're, we're there yet. Um, but that's, that's concerning because that is, that is something baked into DeMarcus's cousins DNA, right? He's you know right. 31 years old now. It's been every year of, of his career and, and cats younger than that. 
and and Cat is physically more talented than Demarcus is. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's a that's like a mental rewiring sort of thing. And I mean, we can we can all say that. I certainly say it. You just said it that we say that does need to change. But you know, we all have these things in us that are baked into our DNA that we need to rewire at it that are you know bad things. And right. and it's I think it's it's tough because it's an aesthetically, you know, not appealing thing that he does that it kind of drags down all the aesthetically and statistically, you know, great things that he I, I found myself going like, okay, Dane, like you're you're only going on the left side here of th- these are these are the problems when the right side is treasure too. But right. that's also part of that's also part of becoming, you know, the a star player or a superstar player in the league is it's not what all the great things you can do are. It's what more great things can you have. So I always, uh, I always mentioned Tim Duncan because I was a huge fan of his. Now he, he did, he did have one flaw, which was the 66% free throw shooting. So a lot of guys have flaws. Do you remember the criticism KG took when he was with the wolves? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was first, right? Yeah, it was. I think it. I think he was such a great perimeter defender because he's kind of narrow. His build is mm. narrow, but that hurt him in the low post. They wanted him to be Duncan in the low post. They wanted him to post up and be dominant. And there was this big argument on TNT once when John Thompson was there and Danny Angel. They're both working for TNT, and they were saying one one guy was saying. I think both those two those two guys I think were defending KG. It was a playoff series against Dallas. And they go, that's not KG's game. He just he just doesn't want to post up. Like Dirk didn't go down to the low block and post mm-hmm. up. Some of these guys, that's not their game. So Cat has, but Cat's problem is different, and uh, he's got to figure that out. And I and I don't want to dwell on it because we, we've said it. Uh, but he has a problem. I am no, but Craig, it's, it's am, like you could look at it glass half full too. What if he does figure it out? That's what I always think about. Is right. what if that is just resolved? And I don't know how right. to resolve resolve that. What rewire that? Right whatever it is. But if it is, I mean, right. That's one of the best players in the league. Yeah. And I do. And I, 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 I think I said it already. I'm a huge cat fan. I am. I am stunned by how great soft his touch is feathery, soft touch mm-hmm. surprised when a three pointer doesn't go in And I want to move off of him, except I want to say one other criticism I have, which he's toned down is those crazy whip passes out of the double team. Mm-hmm. So he's, I think he's worked on that. And, and the thing is with with the NBA, like one of my favorite players was Dwayne Wade and he would turn the ball over and I don't like turnovers. My other thing, I don't like turnovers. I like field goal percentage and I like low turnovers, but D Wade would try to cut the double team and take risks by dribbling between the double team yep. and lose the ball. So I don't like, I don't like turnovers. Today's show is sponsored by aura. You know of aura because you've seen their name on the Timberwolves jerseys. And I'd like to tell you what aura's digital security can do for you. Aura is identity theft protection, fraud monitoring, a VPN, password management, and antivirus software all combined into one easy-to-use app. People are shocked when their identity is stolen, but identity theft is actually extremely common. There's a new victim of identity theft every 14 seconds. Aura monitors the dark web for your emails, passwords, and social security numbers and sends alerts fast right to your phone and email. When it comes to fraud, every second matters. You can connect your credit and bank accounts and get notified of any changes up to four times faster than Aura's competitors with Aura. I've already signed up for Aura and I'm already seeing how often my personal information is showing up on the dark web and you will too. 
if you sign up for a free 14-day trial with Aura. Protect yourself from America's fastest growing crime by trying 14 days for free at Aura.com slash Dane. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash D-A-N-E for 14 days free. And a thank you to Aura for sponsoring today's show. Aura, digital security you can trust. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The, the elephant in the room for me, and I'm going to just jump into it, and, and, and I want you to, this is where I want to ask you is, this was a magical year. I wanted, you know, the Vegas said 34 wins. I wanted 42 because I wanted to go 42 and 40, have a winning record as opposed to 41 and 41. And we got 46. And, and uh, I even said to myself, and you can disagree, if we lost to the Clippers and if we somehow didn't get in the play-in, it was still, I, I was yeah. still happy with the season. Uh, but I want to talk about the pressure for next year. The honeymoon is over. And the other teams are going to be healthier and it's going to be harder Mm -hmm. to make the playoffs. And I want to talk about personnel changes, sir. So do you, do you have a specific area? Do you want to just do the D'Lo thing? I got power. I got powerful. Well, I want two new starters on the team at, at point guard and at power forward. Um, If you want, that's the initial thing. I was looking at the free agency list and now if someone said, well, we're going to, we're going to do, um, we're going to get Bradley Beal. And we're, I mean, it, I'm open to other things, but that's mainly, I wanted a, a power mm-hmm. forward. And, and before I forget, we'll get to D'Lo. I, I have a really important question for you. Can Cat play with the center? Is, you know, Anthony Davis gets to play with Javel McGee, JaVel McGee and Dwight Howard. I assume it's because on the perimeter, Anthony Davis is a better defender than Cat on the perimeter. I assume that's what it is. But I just looked at the free agency, and there are some centers that are decent. Mm-hmm. And what do you, what do you think of Cat playing with a center? Yes, I I personally have guessed he always could 
And part of that was just, you know, he kind of struggled in rib protection, struggled in drop coverage over those, you know, over those Tibbs years. And, and part of this, the thing is, Craig, he's not, he's not huge. I mean, he's like modern day center size. We can like, you've seen these guys in per- Joel Embiid, Cat, not even close. Jokic is way bigger than Cat. A lot of these centers, the best centers in the league are bigger than Cat. So that is one reason that, you know, because this is, he could be a big power forward. But he also showed this year that he can guard on the perimeter. That was the defensive plan all season was right. bring Cat up to level. We don't want him to be playing in that drop, being the main rim protector on every single possession. And here we are, like the under Tibbs, I think they were 25th in defense. This year they were 13th in defense. It worked in a team concept. And Cat individually, that is the biggest thing that got as many people crapped on Cat during the play- that playoff series. He was excellent. In, in all six of those games when he was in coverage, you know, stifling John Morant out on the perimeter. Like, that's why John Morant yeah. is doing what he's doing yeah. in this series and, and wasn't in the previous series. It wasn't just Cat. They were showing two up there. But, yes, Cat, right. has, Cat has shown that. I had a big frustration during the Rosa's regime of, like, you know, the, the team stunk. So I was like, why don't we experiment a little bit? Like, how about we just – just a body. Like, bring in a – a 6'11", 7-foot, 240-pound guy. Let's just try and see what it looks like if Cat is the four in this. We're just testing stuff out anyways. And right. I had a big frustration that that didn't happen. So we come into this year, and you couldn't really know. You couldn't really know if Cat could play the four. Right. I think right now, today, we have more evidence that suggests he can than than we ever did before. Yeah, and, I, and I, I'm not saying it's uh, 36 minutes a game. Yeah, I'm saying it's part of the game because I like him under the, I, I always thought he was a good shot blocker and I've always known when he, when it counts, yeah. he's a really good rebounder on the defensive boards. But um, so that being said, I, I, rem- I, I know that they talked about miles Turner, which I thought would have been really good. I, do you have names of guys that you want? I'm, uh, I'm looking at my list here. Do you have names yeah. of guys that, well, it's just it's just kind of interesting when we talk about like because it could be a power forward that you get, but if it's a power forward, then you probably want that guy to be a rim protector. So that's a certain type of power forward. I think Miles Turner checks both the boxes where he's big right. and he's that rim protector. Um, there, you know, there, there's other guys out there this summer. Thad Young is a free agent. He's he's more of the power forward mold. Right. Um, I think I think a team to look at for the Wolves making moves this summer is the Knicks. And mm. I think if you try and make a short list of, or just any list of teams that might be interested in DeAndre Russell, I think they would be on that list. And, and I think, I mean, it, he makes a lot of money. So you're not going to be getting like what you're going to be getting back is expensive players that probably won't be great players. And I think with them, Nerlens Noel is is that type of center and that just kind of classic rim protector. He's kind of like Vanderbilt, but he is bigger in that way. It doesn't right. have the motor quite that that Vando does, but has more of the shot blocking chops and that. So I think a like a basic framework for a D'Angelo Russell trade, if we do want to go down that path, is Nerlens Noel and Evan Fournier. Um, I know that doesn't sound all that sexy. Uh, and maybe right. you, for, maybe there's got to be some assets attached onto that. But that's kind of like if you do want to move on from D'Angelo Russell, I don't think 
the way you should be thinking about it, you or fans, is you're going to get a one-for-one replacement. Can you trade D'Angelo Russell and get somebody else back that checks one of these other needs that we say, a power forward or center? And I think Nolan's Noel would be an option there. I think Fournier kind of then becomes your Malik Beasley, and then maybe it's Malik Beasley who you trade for a Miles Turner or or somebody else uh, along right. those lines. I, it's honestly, Craig, it's it's a difficult like way to really think about what the mechanics of these moves would be to to get these players. But I think the good news is I feel like they can take a few different paths. It doesn't have to be a center. It doesn't have to be a power forward. Right. It doesn't have to be a point guard. Like those are all different paths that you can go down. So if you're Sasha Gupta, you know, right. you can you can whiteboard it out like, okay, here's option one, two, three, you know, so on. So that that's some that's a way I'm thinking about it. Okay. Because uh, and the reason I uh I pressure you is because uh, I don't I don't uh there are certain things I don't do with the NBA. I don't really follow the contracts too much and the money and the trade machine. Uh, I, I know I, I, let me, let me say the D thing is uh, so I wanted Wiggins traded. I don't know who in the world would take a max con his max contract. Obviously it drives me up the wall. We had to attach a first round pick. I, I want to, tell people i i like delo more as a there's this term i use when i say my dad and i used to do this guy's a ball player guys means he has a floor game that usually means he can dribble and pass mm-hmm. so as much as i love vando's energy and rebounding and he's very valuable you know when he gets the ball on offense i'm afraid he's going to turn it over he's not a right. passer so delo can pass i like his game i don't consider this sounds silly i don't consider wiggins a ball player because he's not a good ball handler or passer but I wanted him out. I like the, I'm weird because I was a stylish six, five player who wasn't the most athletic, very coordinated. Wasn't, but wasn't. So Delo is not athletic and he's crafty. And when he's mm-hmm. on, it's fun because he shoots a high arc and he pulls up from where he's not supposed to. That's fun, but we're trying to win games here. So I decided, you know, a year ago, I said, this guy's not long-term. He's not a long, he's not the long-term answer. He's a max player, mm-hmm. not the guy. And I know that people in the organization, I'm sure you have information. They're not, they're not so keen on him. So his attitude. So uh, he's too, he's too cool for school, you know, dresses very well, by the way, Dane, very <laughs> well, but, but, and I, and I care about him. Cause I, I always think of myself as an NBA fan first. Cause I was a, I was an NBA fan for 20 years before the wolves came into the league. I was obsessed with a guy named Julius, Dr. J Irving. That was my, everyone thinks I was a Larry bird fan. Love Larry. Love Larry. Got to meet him and chit chat with him once. Ask him every question I wanted to ask him about his finger, breaking his finger in uh, <laughs> softball. And any, no, I just want to tell you, this, this is so funny. He broke his this is the one he's pointed when he won the three pointer. It's all crooked. His shooting hand. Yeah. And he says, uh, so his friend said, yeah, he shot pretty well in the NBA. This is his friends back in Indiana state. He shot well in the NBA. You should have seen him at college before he broke his finger. Didn't miss. <laughs> <laughs> like He was never as pure with the broken hand, but so I was a, I was a Dr. J fan. Where was I? I was talking about D So he's stylish. 
but it's time for him to move on. And I think it's not the same as Wiggins because he has an expiring max yeah. contract, right? So mm-hmm. that's easier. And but then then that's why I messaged you. I don't know who's out there. Who are the like here's what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Nash was drafted, Steve Nash was drafted 15th. Uh, Stockton was drafted 16th in the first round. Nash was 15th, but he was a backup to Jay Kidd at Phoenix. And then Dallas gets him. So my first question is, not now, you can research this, is are there any point guards who are backups that should be starters? Tyus because Jones. I look, no, no, I'm sorry. He's not a starter. He's not a starter. I, I looked at the free agency list and I saw the guards. No one really appeals to me. And, and, and people will say, what about uh, it is? It, we should say what? it is not a great like if you do what Craig's done. And I did it this morning, too. If you look at just yeah. the free agent list, not great. It's correct. Except it's for probably going to be a trade. Ex- yeah, except for centers. I like I like Zubac. I like the Clippers center. I like Bobby Porter. So I consider him a forward, but they say center. I like Nurkic and I like Aiton. But I, OK, so those are the ones I wrote down. I like. Malcolm Brogdon, I don't know enough mm-hmm. about Shea Alexander at OKC because I like guys that pass really well. You know, I was a Ricky Rubio fan. I don't want to bring him back. I think that time, that I, I don't think that's right. I love Ricky. There's something special. There's something uh, good vibes with Ricky. Yeah. He's, he's, he, you know what I'm saying? He's special. I don't think he's the answer, but I, w- I wouldn't totally rule it out if we get some superstars up power mm-hmm. forward or something like sure. that. But but I like so I'm, I guess one of my questions was, am I missing anything? Are there any backup point guards that should be starters? And Tyus, as much as I love him, and he is a ball player, he's the heady ball player. Mm-hmm. Like he's like J Mac, you know. Yeah. J Mac is special. He's not a starter. So who is this starter going to be? And is it going to be in the draft? Which again is crapshoot for me because I don't know these point guards. I look some of them up. You know, I look some of the guy who are the top point guards in the draft. But we need a point guard, and I don't know who that is. Yeah, I mean, I, I wrote some down, and I don't think if Tyus Jones doesn't get you going, I don't think the other guys will either. I mean, Rubio is, is one as well. Right. Uh, I prefer summer. Rubio over I prefer Rubio over Tyus. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Schroeder, uh, he's kind of yeah. dithered you know, I, uh, right. recently. I wrote down DeLon Wright's kind of that uh, in, from Atlanta, and, and Aaron Holiday, a little bit more the defensive mold. But I don't think all – I don't think – those guys are what you're describing, which is a guy who is clearly a backup right now that could come in, is just waiting for the opportunity to be a starter. Right. And, I, and they may not exist. I mean, mm-hmm. I want a Mike Connolly type. I mean, and I looked yeah. at Mike Connolly was, I think, a top five pick. I think he was three. Yep. So I, I want, I, I, I get such a joy when you're able to get Jane McDaniels in a draft or Monte Ginobili in the second round. But uh, and Nashi went 15 in Stockton. Oh, can I can I tell you a quick Stockton story? Oh, John Stockton yes, story? Yes, please. I'm at Montana State. I'm a I was recruited to play two guard. Uh, but I was recruited by both Montana State and Montana, which is up in Missoula. And the coach in Missoula was Mike Montgomery, who coached at Stanford and then Cal. Yeah. And we got un- unfortunately they Montana State somehow beat out Montana for this guy, Jeff Epperly, the top Montana player, who was a friend of mine. It was my roommate. He is a 6'4 white guy, kind of like a Rex Chapman. Okay. And, and so he, 
they had to play him over me. So I played small forward. I had my best games at point guard. And I, I could handle, I was six five. I was like a poor man's pistol. I joked that I wasn't interested in defense or the, or the you know, defensive stance hurt my lower back, but I could scoop past and I could shoot. But anyway, that wasn't my story. I apologize. So we're playing Gonzaga. Okay. And the assistant coach on Montana State, it's their job to scout the other team. And in the locker room before the game, they write down the five starters on Gonzaga. And they do a profile each one. This guy, this power forward, can't shoot. Keep him off the boards. All he wants to do is crash. Then he gets down to Stockton, and he says, okay, the guy, John Stockton, he's one of the top point guards on the West Coast, along with Leon Wood from Cal State Fullerton. Uh, he's got pretty good quicks. He's about as quick as you, Jeff. That was our athletic two-guard. We had a black point guard named Tony Hampton from Portland who was 6'1". He couldn't bring the ball up against Stockton. <laughs> wow. And, and after the game, pretty good quicks. We just mocked the coach's scouting report. <laughs> He's got pretty good quicks. He was cat quick. I, I think, you know, Stockton has really long yeah. arms and big hands and strong hands. And our, our, the quickest guy on our team couldn't bring the ball up against him. <laughs> it was hilarious. Um, anywho, I don't know who our point guard's going to be, but I know I like, I want him to be like Jordan McLaughlin. I want him to be a heady, a heady player, a smart player, a trustworthy player who passes. Who, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm being greedy here and I don't know who that player is. Yeah. I would take, I would take Malcolm Brogdon. He's not the passer I want. I always think he's such a great shooter. I assume he's a decent defender. Mm -hmm. I mean, what are you thinking for point guard? Yeah, I think I think it would be like the trade market where you would need to go get a like someone like Malcolm Brogdon. And then now, you know, now we're all complicated. Are you trading Malik Beasley? How many picks right. are you attaching and and all that that sort of thing? I think one name to throw out for you that I am almost sure the Wolves name will be attached to in pursuing him in free agency is Zach Levine. Um, oh. And I don't think that is I mean, he Zach is not your traditional point guard at all right but um you do have ant who i think is going to take up more and more lead ball handling duties as his you know career sort of blooms and if he's playing with a lower usage point guard like you know someone like jordan mclaughlin rather than d'angelo russell you're going to see ant kind of expand that so i do think it could be somebody like brogdon or like zach levine who you know isn't necessarily a traditional point guard and your, you know, your point guard tandem ends up kind of like, kind of like Luca is the point guard of Dallas. And now they start right. Brunson, but for the most part, they, you know, they, during Luca's career, there hasn't been your traditional one next to him. So I think, I don't know if that's this summer, but eventually it might end up being where your quote unquote point guard isn't, you know, your, your traditional point guard. And and the Zach Levine thing, I, I'm not saying that will happen. I, that would be a, a massive sort of move and money. I mean, he's eligible to make like 40 million a year signing his right. a, a new deal. But I do, if we're just throwing names out there that might kind of get a nibble, at least on Twitter and such of so-and-so is connected to, I would assume the Timberwolves will have a connection there. He's clutch, same agency as, as right. Anthony Edwards, the new uh, Marquise Watts, who they, um, brought in to be the new chief experience officer has connections they work for clutch as right well, as recently as like a month ago so 
I mean, what's going to be for, for you, for Wolves fans everywhere, is like the Wolves, when big player names are out there, and you know Mark and Alex, like they're going to, you know, they're going to dip their feet in the water and and yeah. see, you know, and, and and see how these things, you know, kind of feel rather than throwing out, you know, DeLon Wright and Dennis Schroeder, names like that. That's not that's not going to get them going. And, and I just wanted to say, I don't know DeLon Wright's game. That's and I also don't know Shea Alexander's game well enough. Uh, I don't know Shea's if Shea awesome. can pass. Yeah, I know he can drive. And I, I mm. can he pass or not? I mean, is there just yeah. more of a. I would say shooting is his right. Like if as far as like the all three skills, yeah, driving best. Right. I think he can pass. Um, kind of like a John Morant shooter, where he's going to shoot him, but you know he's to right. use your field goal percentage. It's not going to be forty percent. Right. So here's my. I don't want to disappoint people out there. This is where I have to recuse myself. And if I was a pre- a GM, I would think differently as opposed to being a fan. I'm really proud of Zach and what he's done in Chicago. And I like the fact that he's a much purer shooter. You know, he shoots a yeah. high percentage. I'm not a, I was, I wasn't a fan of his floor game. Yeah. It was a debacle when he played point. He could, that wasn't his thing. He bad turnovers. So, and, and I'm going to say something. Ant's not a, a, a good enough passer for me. He does. The one thing I'll say about Ant that no one talks about is his handle is off the charts. I can't believe what a gifted, ball handler he is he can yo-yo and do all this stuff and no one talks about it it's like do you see what he's doing with the ball right there he's (laughs) he's like so good before he drives but his passing is decent but he makes some bonehead passes so i'm i'm talking a pure point guard and again they're they're not out there necessarily well maybe it's j mac maybe it's just j mac yeah but he's you know and i like him he's not a starter in my opinion what if he's the fifth starter yeah, you you take uh, you can take advantage of them and post his ass up and all that. Yeah, but true, but true. there is a there is a scenario where you're saying what you what you were saying is you know the, the great Celtic team was Danny Ainge and Dennis Johnson, and those neither of those they had a they had a forward who could pass pretty well, but they they didn't have uh, they didn't have, they they weren't true point guards either of them, so so you could do that by default. Uh, I mean, you could play Pat Bev and and then and, and J Mac together, I guess. But I'm I'm trying to unrealistically build build a per a team, and I'm trying to get. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to. I'm trying well, to. Figure it, I mean, out Craig, it could. I mean, we're we're like we've like shipped D'Lo off in this conversation. Like, it's no guarantee that he's gone, right? You know, that might he might be the point guard again next year, and I think, like you said, I don't. I don't know if anyone thought he was a long-term, long-term solution. I think they thought he would be here through the extent of this contract. Right. Um, but, but you know, now he's he's up for an extension right now. And so that makes it kind of complicated. And yes, the deal is not officially over yet. But in his mind, he's, you know, he's looked as he should be, you know, looking for his, where he's going to get his next deal and, and where what his future is going to be financially and what city he's going to be living in. And that very well, you know, could be Minnesota. There's... There's a lot. There's a case to be made that you could do things around D'Lo that empower him more um, to make him, you know, a stronger, more consistent offensive player. Yeah. And I, and I want to, I want to see if I made sense. I, even though you might say you could say Andrew Wiggins is, is, is a better player, certainly this year. I 
I like Delo's game. I just it, I do too. It's time, and I thought it. I thought his defense was. I, I was stunned. I thought his defense was improved. I love his passing. And I mm-hmm. initially I thought he turned the ball over too much when he first got here. I go, oh my god, he he crumbles when he's double teamed. But he 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 did pretty well. But I just think it's he's a he's not he's a max player. What it's going to happen, in my opinion, is they'll if they make an offer, it'll be you know whatever it is in the twelve million dollar range, and, and his the, the his people will decline. But I don't think they want him here. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know who the point guard is, but we've, we've, we've exhausted that. I think, <laughs> um, I mean, but I, it's a thing where we, we do have to, these are the things I do where I go, okay, who's it going to be? Yeah. And I don't know. Do you, are you a college guy? Cause you, I mean, are there college guards or you I, don't follow college hoops? Cause it's boring. Honestly, I kind of try to dig into it now. Uh, right. well, typically, you know, the wolves are done by like April eighth or whatever so that i got you know a couple months to the draft this year you know didn't didn't have that i mean i think even if it was the draft and you were looking for that in the draft and it was a better better pick i it's just rare that guys can come in and immediately be right give you what you want them to be right and and the wolves are in this place of less patience now where you're trying to like place one of your starters you want to have a real belief in them right now and if it if it ends up you know if you draft someone and you're like oh he's our plan at starting point guard and it ends up being a Jared culver situation over again you know now and you've traded d'angelo russell now that's going to cost you big time and and now maybe you're not you're not doing the thing where you're progressing you know linearly and or even getting back to 45 46 wins again so i am not considering the draft that much for immediate i'm honestly considering the draft much more for trade purposes they got the 19th pick and three second round picks i i think with that i mean you malik beasley had a great second half of the season and that maybe means you should just keep him but now if you what if you attach that 19th overall pick to malik beasley that's a pretty like that's a pretty nice package for a team i i would be attracted to that if if i was a team like having that come in so a lot more of the way i'm going to be thinking about the offseason a lot more is through the trade lens which is so much more complicated and oftentimes just fictional but it just given these lack of free agent options at point guard and given how i just don't think you want to bank on the draft for immediate i I don't know i'm I'm really going to be i'm going to really be thinking about stuff much more through the trade lens this summer if if the, you don't want the wolves to stand pat, do you? No, I don't. I don't. I don't think you can. Um, right. I, I think, at a minimum, like let's just say Delos here, you gotta do something else at power forward. Um, not because I mean Vando did everything he could this year. Right. Uh, it's just you gotta get Cat back on the block to some extent. You've gotta make him so he's not exclusively a passer because he's getting double teamed. And the best way to do that would be that he's not playing 20 plus minutes a game next to Jared Vanderbilt, that they right. just the books out now where teams are going to float off of Vando and and bring the double on cat. So I think like this is pejorative to Vando. Like, I think he, he would be an awesome first big off the bench. Just, yeah, you know, totally you're eight agree. minutes into the game and just right. fire that up and, and send him out. Yep. And that could be next to cat, you know, and it's then it's you're playing him next to cat for like two minutes before cat subs out in 
like in the rotation. It's not like he can't ever play next to Cat. It's just I think we're all in agreement that if you're trying to go up higher and progress as a team, that's a pretty easy adjustment is to slide Vando to the bench. I, I The only reason I bring up Zubats is because I looked this morning and I saw he was a, maybe it's a team option, but that guy is a non-guaranteed contract or something like that. But yeah. Now I, when I've seen him play, I've always been impressed. So I like Zubats. I mean, what, yeah. What do you think of him next to Cat? Yeah. Now you, I mean, the thing is, it's, yeah, it's just that the big body center, which I, I feel like I'm talking out both sides of my mouth, which we're saying, oh, yeah, you need that for cat. You need that for rebounding and defense and all that. But they played they played such a small brand of fast, quick basketball, right. particularly yeah. on defense. Right. Just scrambling all over the place. Zubats right. can't do that. So if you want to go with the Zubats type archetype of big then you you're making a pretty drastic change to your style of play. Okay. That's and, what I was wondering. Yeah. And and I don't think Finch wants to do that. Um now Finch is he's ran every single thing in the book in his career. He's had a million different types of rosters. He could do it, but I think this is his preference of style of play, right? Scramble on defense, ball movement, flow on offense. Right. That's that's what he he wants to have and I think he can make it work with different types of rosters, but going with a big body like Zubats would be a pretty drastic stylistic change. Well, the other thing is, you know, it, it helps. And what, I don't know if it's a limited number of games when you play Embiid, you know, cat, I just want some beef next to cat on occasion, but then of yeah. course in the playoffs, in the playoffs, you saw what, with the Grizz, they didn't even play Steven Adams anymore. Right. So, so, and then sometimes, so you wouldn't even play Zubats. But I just didn't think he would be expensive, but he would be valuable. But I know what you're saying. I, I don't know who the, uh, yeah, I just, I guess my whole thing is I want you to tweet out options throughout the summer. I just I need will. you on and podcast. You need to talk and, and come up with these guys. Uh, Cause I was fired up when I heard Miles Turner. I said, Oh my Lord. I thought Miles I still Turner. think that's one people should be fired up about. Yeah. I mean, because he cause Craig, he can he, play all the different ways defensively. Like, he can be your rim protector. I think he can get out and switch. I think he could play this scrambling style that Finch had this year. Right. I, I mean, and he can shoot. Like, yeah. it'd be it'd be real perfect. I, I saw Finch, he uh, interviewed about something about that preseason. And he said there aren't that many of those guys out there. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're doing is like, I I'm hitting a, a dead end with some of the point guards that I want. You know, I can't find, I want Mike Connolly when he was 26, you know, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I, I mean, I'm being greedy here. I'm so grateful. We have Ant and, and cat. And I also just talking about Ant. I want, he's again, we, we know his age. I thought he'd take a more of a jump this year than he did but i'm being greedy and then when he had the first those two games the one against the clippers and the first one against the grizz i we were like oh my lord and then he settled back into good not great right so i want i want i want more consistency does bandwidth Uh, do you think if he has more bandwidth that would happen more often like he played like what do you mean by that well you know he's plays a ton of his minutes next to both cat and d 
he played, I think, 80% of his minutes next to Cat, which is a ton. You remember how D'Lo would kind of be like the first guy off the bench and then it, it'd be D'Lo out there with like Jaden and Prince and J-Mac and whatever? I would be interested in seeing Ant more in that role where it's like, this is you. Like, you got the space to kind of do whatever you want um, with this group or just kind of right. like little rotation combinations that give him a little bit more space. Because I think sometimes those lulls that you talk about, some of that's on him for sure. I like hold him accountable for that where he's 20. I think he kind of attentiveness comes and goes, but he's always attentive when you give him the ball, you know? Right. And, and I think, I think that's one of the cases again, for if not this summer, eventually moving on from D'Lo or that type of really high usage point guard next to him, because you don't got to go all the way like full Luca or Russell Westbrook back in OKC with him, but a little bit more over time for Mant, I'd like to see. Right. Yeah. It is a thing where Cat, you know, the, the Wolves score a lot in the first quarter, and Cat usually dominates the first quarter. Yep. He just get, he just gets going, and so Ant takes a back seat. I I wanted to say something. You just reminded me when the offense. When the offense shuts down, yeah, you. The easiest thing I used to see Chauncey Billups do this with Denver in the playoffs. You know, when two teams can't score, Chauncey and 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 the game we lost when we gave up the twenty six twenty five point lead. Pat Bev did it once in the fourth. He tried it twice. He just drove and got fouled to get free throws. Yeah. When the offense shuts down, and you have a point guard who can penetrate. It changes everything. And, I, and I'm saying J-Mac can penetrate infinitely better than D-Lo. D-Lo is that guy. This is why I like him, because he's like me, Paul Pierce. We move at our own speed. We, we, <laughs> yeah, that's Luca, a good comp, actually. Luca. Yeah, but um, there was a guy, just a crazy reference. There was this guy named Lewis Lloyd. He played at Drake, but he played for the Houston Rockets. And I was talking to a ball player in the NBA. He says, he moves at his own speed. We can't figure out his cadence. But anyways, uh, <laughs> But J-Mac can when, – when you – it's a luxury. There's no offense. I'm going to penetrate. That means the defense collapses and he kicks out or hits a layup. I mean, that's that's such a luxury to have. But I know what you're saying about I, – I do want to pass first point guard. Right. So – Yeah. It's becoming rarer, though, Craig, around the league, that that's what teams are doing with just more of these Luca Ant type of guys who – aren't traditional but, but, point guard but, size. Yeah, but Ant cannot pass like Luca. Not you oh yes, he you're right, he can't. But I do think Ant is a good live dribble passer. He can come left pass with his left hand, he can come right pass with his right hand. Like you we are going to see Ant become a better passer. Will it be Luca level? Will it be even a, like does it is it even going to cross the bar that you're like, okay, that's enough as my point guard? I I don't know. But I think we need to leave that option open that right. it might be. And that's, that's part of the reason why I'm like, okay, I'm kind of okay with next year. If it is, if the point guards are more Pat Bev and J Mac, and you really invest your resources into just getting that power forward. Cause they might not, I mean, you came onto this at the beginning saying, I want two new starters. They might not be able to do that. Right. And I think if I had to choose between the two, I would focus more on addressing the front court than I would the point guard. They, but they need both. I'm, I'm with you. 
Right. But if we're doing it one step at a time, I, I think that's where I'm at. Okay. That makes sense. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other beautiful point I wanted to make. I just, I'll just say this. Uh, Jalen Noel is a scorer. Yeah. I, uh, I know he's not, a, he's certainly not a true point guard. I enjoy him. I think he's one of these guys defensively, a little like Beasley, although I guess Beasley improved, where they get down in their stance and they, they guard the guy, but the guy can still score. There's not strength there defensively. So I don't, I guess Jalen's, you know, he's not a great defender, but I, I, uh, I, I do like our team as far as it's fun to watch in the regular season. I was, what I'm thinking about is how do we take next the level. next step? Yep. And, um, we got to get some, we got to get some guys. I mean, I can't believe what Brandon Clark was able to do to us. Um, right. that was, that was ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I think, and that, that's actually the, the perfect way to say it. That's why I think the addressing the, the second big is, is more important too. It's not only that it, neuters what cat can do offensively some by the doubles that it presents it's also they're the worst rebounding team in the league they lost both of those i mean both of those playoff games brandon clark had seven offensive rebounds in in the fourth quarter the just in the fourth quarter of of that game three like you know uh that was a dane moore tweet that i did a screen save and i sent it to a bunch of people is that okay you don't you don't get you don't get money for that, do you? But anyways, <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I couldn't believe that that guy was that was we had we could have drafted him, by the way. And you pointed that out too, Jared Cole. Yeah, I I yeah I remember it was, <laughs> I was at I was at that combine uh, in Chicago, and I went into I, I was actually following close attention to that draft because it was like 2018, I think, and. The Wolves were out very early and I had this like I was like, oh, I really like Brandon Clark. And I didn't it was my first I had no idea what I was doing. And I'm like, I'm just gonna follow Brandon Clark around the whole time at at the combine. And I got a what he had like a one like the highest vertical leap in the whole thing, in the yeah. in the whole combine there. And and the, the shot was funky, um, still is, but I was just enamored by by him uh coming into that time. And th- if you remember, that's when they had Dario Saric. Yeah. And and it was so a lot of people weren't really considering because Clark ended up falling to 21. He was supposed to be like in consideration in the lot of the Wolves were sixth or or at 11th, yeah. what they, they traded back to once they traded Dario. And I was just like, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark, Brandon Clark. And so that was why in this series, it was just like the extra stab because I was they could have had him at six. They could have had him at 11 and or right. they could have traded back up in there. But I, I always. And Clark's imperfect too. He's like a. That's the that's the oh, problem. If I yeah. I if mm-hmm. I was because he can't shoot beyond two feet or four feet, I would probably not draft him. But I'm being it's the Vanderbilt I'm unrealistic. Thing. I'm being too picky and I'm being unrealistic with these guys. And I th- I do think it's uh, this is a reference you you're too young to know. But I there was a guy named Keith Lee who played. It was called Memphis State. Now it's called Memphis, the college, and he played for Memphis State. And I, he was a black guy, and I thought he was going to be the black Kevin McHale. He was so, such a soft touch in college, and and he didn't, nothing happened. He didn't make it, and that's when I said, I I can't scout. I mean, scouting is so hard, <laughs> you can't figure these out. And I thought, I thought I heard when when Cat was drafted early on, prior to that, during the senior year, I thought it was be, between Jaleel Okafor and Cat, and there was yeah. this, 
I don't know. I don't know who's going one and two. I, I heard that. And oh that's my why Lord. I gave up. I wanted Jaleel. I, so that's why I, all of my <laughs> all of my yeah any draft opinion I have now I'm like you don't you can't anybody who's pounding on the table like they right. know it I'm like you don't know it like right. this is a, you're right it is a it's an educated crapshoot that's what the draft is yeah before I forget I have a new podcast coming out I was gonna get there I was gonna do you I have don't. a Twitter do you have a Twitter or you have a secret Twitter no. that you're no, I have no Twitter or no burner account or no secret Twitter. I'm not on Twitter. Well, then how are you seeing the tweets? I You can search Dane Moore and I can I can uh, bookmark it. So I, okay. I hear, so it's very entertaining during a Wolves game. John Krasinski will make comments like, uh, Jalen Noel just detonated when he dunked on the Celtics at home. <laughs> with one hand. And then uh, obviously Britt Robson is very entertaining and poetic and um, oh, his vocabulary his vocabulary is you know impressive i like to say uh and then you and yeah so i i, I i'm able to do that without being on twitter okay okay so uh tell us about uh the life gorgeous podcast and the sir craig kilborn youtube channel what's what's i yes. I'm, I'm actually curious as far as what curious as what what, what, it, what, what it is going to be i went to you know i looked it up yesterday right and i'm I'm curious what, like, is it going to be the Instagram on a new platform? Is it going to, what, what is this, what wow. is this going to all look like? It is one of those things where people ask me, you know, what's the show going to be? Well, it's going to be fluid. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I will say this. Obviously, years ago, I can remember maybe around 2010 or 11. I could have started a podcast years ago and I was selling my house in the Hills because I was tired of being stuck in the Hills and I had a mortgage. So I went, I wanted to buy it where I can walk around, which I did, but I bought it in 2013. I'm in the house. I am. It's, there's no mortgage and it's, I can walk in the neighborhood to all the restaurants, but I, but one, I looked at a bunch of houses and one of them had a garage where it was kind of closer to the street. And I said, I could do a podcast in the garage. This house is not set up that way. I don't want anybody in my house. Uh, and, and, but the fact that COVID happened and everyone's Zooming now, then I said, I, I said, I guess I can do a podcast. But the other thing was, I wasn't jonesing to do one. I used to joke I wanted to be the last person on earth with a podcast because everyone has one. <laughs> but in 2018, I joined Instagram kind of for my nieces. And Dane, I've never had more fun in my life. It is, I can show pictures and write little quips and it captures my sensibility. Uh, I don't, to answer your question, I don't think that can be sustained fully for 45 minutes on a podcast that aristocratic, whatever, however you want to deconstruct, which I don't do, whatever my sensibility is, I can't really do that. But I am going to talk about, um, I'm going to talk with my comedic friends, which I will really enjoy. I have writer friends. One is Alex Sulkin. He worked on my show. He works on Family Guy now. He wrote the movie Ted with Seth MacFarlane. These are my buddies, and we'll 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 talk about whatever I want to talk about. And uh, I'll also talk about movies. And uh, Sir Craig Kilborn is just the name of the uh, the YouTube channel. Okay. And uh, because I watch I watched uh, some YouTube podcasts and. It's a slow growth, but I'm, I think the reason I'm doing it is Instagram is so positive 
And people like, it may be a small group, I may be an acquired taste, but people like my Instagram and they, they're, they're, all these people are saying, please do a podcast. So I'm just, I say giving back and I say it half jokingly, but I'm going to do it for them because I, I think they'll yeah. get more out of it. I, I'm going to interview people. I'll give you a guy I'm going to interview because it's who I want to interview that you'll get a kick out of. Ian Eagle. Ian is, a, <laughs> Ian is a friend of mine. We met a couple times, okay. but I just, I texted him the other day. A friend of mine knows him and says, here's his text. He's always, we've always been fond of each other, even though we've, we've only met a few times. I love his voice. I love his sense of humor. And I'm going to interview Ian Eagle and I'll talk about whatever I want. I'll, I'll try to tie it into the life gorgeous, which is food and, and, and television shows and sports and music. And, and I'll have it organized. I'll probably do top five movies of all time with every guest I, I have. And, and, uh, and then I can tell them my top five and it's not a competition, but mine are better. But can you tell um, me, can uh, we tell me yours right now? Yes, I can. And, and, and by the way, you, you can, you can, um, if you, I do this, I've done this for 25 years at dinner when I'm having dinner. Um, usually I don't like to hold court. I want other people to talk during dinner, so I won't say much. And then I, and eventually someone will say, well, Craig, you're, you're kind of quiet. So then I'll do the top five movies around the table. And my father would say, you're controlling it. You're controlling the dinner. I said, I'm not controlling. I just want to be entertained. So I always tell people, and I, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Uh-oh. I want you to do your five. And I, and I say this, oh, some God. people say, Oh, I can't, I can't. I said, just do five. You can change it five minutes later. You just put five and just do four. Can you get, cause I like to see if there's an overlap, you know what I'm I saying? have to go first. Yeah. Because I don't want you to be influenced oh, by me or intimidated by, I'm just kidding. But, but I already know you're going to say, uh, your bench you're, warmers. No, <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was going to think of a basketball movie, but I'm not a big sports movie guy. Me neither. You know, I like Hoosiers. I like Hoosiers, but you know, anyway. So when, whenever I have this conversation, it always ends up being like five I've watched recently. Yeah. Um, and that's not what the question is, but you're putting me on the spot. So this is, this is my pushback. Um, I think Dumb and Dumber is my favorite movie of like child, like, childhoodish like teenage that right. dumb and dumber and uh rounders with matt damon and edward oh, norton yeah. when i th those are always like you know they, they i don't they're not cinema they're not the greatest Cinematic. cinematography uh right, ever right. in that sort of way but like there's i have movies like soft spot movies like that um i rewatched saint vincent again last week right um and that is a a movie of the recent that I loved that's three. How about you do three? And I'll think of two more. Okay. And, and it isn't, it is what move it is what moves you, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, the movies you mentioned, they meant a lot to you. Am I allowed? Cause you're not a, a beautiful woman. Am I allowed to ask you your age? Yeah. I'm 32 years old. Okay. I was, I was thinking so I was might born be the year the wolves were born. Oh, 1989. I thought you were going to say I'm 32, but I was born in 1970. No. Uh, but anyways, um, so I've seen a lot of old, older movies. And, and so when I do my movies, a lot of them are, are, are classic movies. But uh, and I, I'm a Hitchcock fan, so I'm only going to name one Alfred Hitchcock movie. And I'll name North by Northwest with Cary Grant. There are a whole bunch of great Hitchcock movies, and I've, I've seen a lot of them. 
In fact, what's, what, what, what throws people off is if I said to you, the three movies you mentioned, if I said to you, I haven't seen any of them, I just know of them. I haven't mm-hmm. seen Rounders. St. Vincent is the one with Bill Murray, correct? Yes. I have not seen it. And I'm, I'm the biggest Bill Murray fan there is. I yeah, haven't I see seen it, it yet. Uh, so anyways, so uh, The Graduate, Dustin Hoffman, great movie, one of my favorites. A movie called Chinatown with Jack Nicholson. Uh, there's a movie from the 50s, Billy Wilder, called The Sunset Boulevard. So that's four. I think that's four. But here's, here's one that is a little more contemporary from 2004, maybe 2005, movie called Sideways. Yeah. And that was, that was with the guys going up, uh, you know, drinking the wine, but having uh, mm-hmm. issues with women and, and relationship issues. Very funny movie. So those are my current current five i added sideways in the last couple of years so does it constantly like evolve for you like it can but of- like i don't i don't always have i don't always have uh sunset boulevard on there uh 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 but i always have the graduate on there have you ever seen and it's okay don't be embarrassed if you haven't have you I seen have, any I of have, those movies i actually took uh film classes in uh when I was in in college, I was an English minor, and I took as many film classes as I could to read less and watch more movies. So, I think, um, what was the first one? North by Northwest. North by Northwest. There are a bunch of great ones. There's Strangers on a Train. There's Psycho. A lot mm-hmm. of people like Psycho. It's very good. I, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with Hitchcock, so I've seen all of them. But North by Northwest, I say Vertigo is very good. They're all. You mm-hmm. know, yeah, that would be uh, the other four I've seen. Sideways, I actually rewatched maybe during the pandemic. I feel like I watched so many movies um, right. over again. You know, I watched this weekend. I watched Forrest Gump. Um, yeah. And I, I, I did a lot. So I'm weird with movies where when I was a kid, I would never watch a movie twice. Like that was I mean, not even a kid, like re- honestly, up until like maybe 10 years ago, I was like, well, I've already seen it. Like, why would I rewatch it? So that always was like, because, you know, everybody has this conversation with their friends. This was always the stumbling block for me. And so my favorite movie, why well, I say Dumb and Dumber and Rounders, like those are two of the movies that I ever that don't bother me at all to rewatch. They're like enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But even other movies that I've, you know, seen once and loved, it's like it's just I'd rather I'd rather get into something I've never seen before. My brother is the same way. I have an older brother. He was I always like to say he was lone valedictorian of his graduating class of 500 down at Hastings. Um, he was, he's a software engineer. He was into science fiction. He was, he's Spock like he was introverted, not as aggressive or confident <laughs> as myself. And he felt I've seen that movie. And I'm, if I watch it again, I'm wasting my time. And so, so my wife, when I met her, she really liked breakfast at Tiffany's. And I said, how, how often have you seen it? And she goes, oh, I don't know. I, I put it on when I'm doing cleaning or when I'm back. I mean, I just, I, I watch it over and over again. Like the way I listen to music over and over again. So there are movies. I'll tell you a couple movies that are not, I go by the rating on IMDb. All the Hitchcock yep. movies over an eight rating. So mm-hmm. here's some movies that are down and around the sevens that are not, they're not great movies. They're movies uh, the way you like Dumb and Dumber, I, I like some of these espionage or some of these mysteries. So the No Way Out with Kevin Costner, yep. I just watch it a lot. It's seven point one. 
There's one that should be a seven or 7.1 and it's 6.8, which is wrong. But I watched The Firm with Tom Cruise and Gene Hackman over and over again. I just, it's so relaxing. Yeah, they're like uh, they're like blanket movies, you know. It's it's just like it's yeah. the comfort of ha- or everybody does that. I feel like with the Office, right, where they like turn yeah. to Office or like they have their go to Shit's Creek. I feel like a lot of people have that now, where it's like a maybe it's a show that came out like five years ago, but they're you know they're cleaning right. the house or they're doing and it's they already know what happens, so they don't need right. to be like dialed in on it, right? Yeah, yeah. What's funny is when I do this podcast. I guarantee you, because I'm going to, I'm going to bond with Iron Eagle. I'm going to bond with different people. And I guarantee you, I'm going to repeat myself over and over again, (laughs) because I think it's important because I'm going to tell you now, when you mentioned the office. So like my nieces are, they're, they're one's out of college, one's in college. They're obsessed with the American office. And I watched it. I know it's funny. So this is where I'm weird. When I worked it was a 14-year run of Monterey, Carmel, Monterey, California, ESPN, New York City, The Daily Show, and then CBS LA. I didn't watch a lot of stuff uh, because I would unwind and go to dinner or watch pro, watch the NBA. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't watch Seinfeld. And my dad says, you got to watch Seinfeld. And I and I had already seen Jerry do stand-up in LA before he did Seinfeld. And I know Seinfeld's the greatest. When I, After I quit my show, I started watching sitcoms and I had interviewed these people yeah my favorite sitcom of all time not even close is frazier 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 i had interviewed kelsey i don't know if you've ever seen frazier there's a actress uh jane lee and she plays daphne moon i had interviewed her on my show a bunch i watched frazier i fell in love with daphne moon and i'm kind of like i'm glad i didn't see this i would have been fawning all over her as a guest (laughs) you know she was a British girl and she was a dancer and she was so, so you cute. wouldn't watch you wouldn't watch the show before you interviewed people? No, I once I, I had to interview Halle Berry and they said she'll only do it if you we're gonna send you the DVD of Monsters Ball and you you she'll only do it if you, if you watch it. So I watched it and we talked about the movie and in, in the interview. And my dad said, don't ever watch a movie before that. You, it was not that exciting to hear you talk about it with them. Because mm. on a talk show, it's it's better if they say, you talk a little bit about the movie. This is what it's about. But Billy Bob, you know, we would go have lunch and then he loved us Reuben sandwiches. And we like, it's an anecdotal story is more entertaining yeah. than breaking down the powerful scene that they mm-hmm. had. It was not, was not good television. So, uh, I sometimes had to go see the, the the actor would say you have to go see the movie. They'd give me a private screening of a Clint Eastwood movie before I interviewed him, and uh, but yeah, I didn't see a lot of those. Uh, huh? Is that weird? I actually no no. I it, it kind of does make sense because if you had, then you would be bogged down with the movie, and as the consumer yeah. watching you talk to the person, honestly, I'm more interested in just hearing the you two talk about what you did at lunch or what his right. life is or what your life is in the movie. Like I'm either going to see the movie or I'm not going to see the movie. You know, like you probably, it's not probably not going right. to move the needle that much. Right. And I was, when I, I got to interview Clint because I had actually had dinner with him a couple of times. Cause this, I worked, I worked in Salinas, Monterey, Santa Cruz, the 110 market doing local TV, but I lived in Carmel and he was the mayor of Carmel in 85. I was there in the early nineties. And when I went to ESPN, 
there was a lady friend of mine who was a news anchor at the other at the other station locally, but but we were friends and she married Clint Eastwood. And she was married to him for like 18 or 19 years, Dina. And Dina was the one who got him on my CBS show. And he he hadn't even done Letterman yet. But in the interview, I was I said, because uh, he's six three, he's six three or six four. Yeah. And I knew he I knew he grew up in Oakland. And I said, So did you play ball? And he goes, No, I didn't play basketball. And I go, would you swim or something? Yeah. Because I didn't play sports, and I and I was crestfallen. He, he huh. I go, you got to, you got to be kidding me. You want to do this part? <laughs> and and he said, I'll do, I'll be whatever you want me to be. Like he saw how disappointed <laughs> I was. I'll say whatever you want, you know, because uh, it was very funny. But yeah, it, that's more interesting to people. We also did a five question with him where we said, and finally, Clint, I want you to squint because it's sunny. And then I want you to squint because you're angry. We wanted to see the difference in the squinting <laughs> because that was all his acting was was squinting. You know, yeah, totally. I'm a big I'm a big Clint fan. I love Clint. Oh, Craig. Well, um, can we do this again later this summer? Absolutely. Let's do it when uh, somewhere or or we're after the draft and before the season, and we'll we'll see how we we'll see what we're at with D'Lo and all that yeah. fun stuff. That that's what's going to be interesting is like. We're we're so right now in the well, it's it's just the fodder time, right? It's it's conversations like this one where we're just throwing stuff out there and it's fun. I, I fans love that. I, I I love doing it. But what always happens is it a reality that we didn't even envision for good or for bad is what always ends up happening, right? We can't there's too many moving parts to predict everything. And, and yes, go ahead. And a yeah, a last note I wanted to say about the wolves. I didn't predict that the bench would be this good this year or the yep. deep team defense would be this good this year. I had no, cause I thought the team defense was for years, even with so, Tibbs. I mean, I, I know, I think the starting disaster. five with Tibbs is good. Yeah. But so it was a, it was a magical year. One of my favorite years, maybe my favorite year. I like, I, I said the honeymoon's over pressure on them next year. Let's yeah. see how, let's see how they do. So it was great talking to you, buddy. That's what's fun, man. It's the, it's yeah. the, the process of good to great in anything is uh, is hard, but, you know, rewarding or enjoyable, at least uh, along the way. So I yeah, I really appreciate you taking all the time uh, again for all of those. listening. this is where I normally plug people's Twitter handles. Craig is not on Twitter, but the Life Gorgeous Instagram, podcast. Instagram, Instagram, Mr. Craig Kilborn, Instagram. It's and Mr. The Craig YouTube it, channel. The Instagram yeah, is the Mr. Instagram. Craig Kilborn. Yeah, Mr. Craig Kilborn and then Sir Craig Kilborn on uh, on youtube i initially had mine as sir craig and then i on insta and then i changed it but i might go back but anyways yeah mr craig kilborn on instagram sir craig kilborn youtube channel just joined last week and then the podcast is coming this summer i'm looking forward to it man thank you uh thank you for taking the time to do it and and for for caring about the wolves it's uh it's it's fun to have you on the on the bandwagon here and we'll do it again sometime soon Thanks, brother. Nice meeting you, man. You too, you too. He's Craig Kilborn. I'm Dane. I'll be back with Britt Robson later this week to uh, have a similar conversation, probably. I'll, maybe I'll ask Britt what his top five movies are as well. Uh, thanks again, Craig. Until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green and hot so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.